today on Locked On A's, we are talking about a waiver claim that I am very intrigued by. We're also talking about the 2023 Hall of Fame nominees for the Oakland A's. And then finally, Luis Medina had a start. Shailene Galeers is still mashing. Zach Geloff is amazing. We're going to talk about all three of those guys later in this episode. But before we do, let's get started, you guys. You are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, Ace fans, and welcome to episode 438 of the Locked On Ace podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan Jason Burke, and on today's episode, David McKinnon. Who is he? I had not heard the name, even though he'd been with the Angels for a month. Uh, and now he's no longer with the Angels if the A's claimed him. I am very intrigued by his profile as a first baseman. And then later on, we're talking about the 2023 Hall of Fame nominees. We're going guy by guy, giving you what war they had with the A's, and then a couple of tidbits. So uh, we're running down every single one of them. So learn to make history, have some fun. And then finally, we're talking about some current minor leaguers that are on a tear, some big names that you're probably very interested in. So that's what we got to go on for you guys on today's episode. But thank you so much for making Locked on A's your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Uh, and it's your team every day here at Locked On. So, you know, you're, you're going to be getting your A's content. So make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow our or, or I guess subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to Locked On Athletics uh, in the Twitter community. Just, just Twitter community. There you go. If you can't find it, DM me. I'll send it to you. But uh, let's get started with David McKinnon because uh, the, the A's have lost the first two games of this series with the Angels, and that's Sure, one of them was against Otani, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Cole Irvin was really, really good on Monday night. That was a two-hour game. That was fun. Uh, I mean, I was watching it with a, a crying baby in my face. He's teething. And so I tweeted out, if I'm not going to record an episode for the day, I try to tweet out for you guys so that you guys know that there will not be an episode. So that's what happened to my son's teething, and he was having a fit. But uh, Cole Irvin was giving the Angels fits, except for Luis Ranjifo in the first inning with a solo homer. But, I mean, other than that, he was fantastic. He's utterly amazing. He's got like a, what, 294, 292 ERA now? Uh, he's he's one of the best pitchers in the American League, and nobody's talking about him. But uh, if, if anybody ever asked, like, hey, who's the best pitcher in the American League? You couldn't say, I mean, not like definitively, but with good reason. It's Cole Irvin this season. Go ahead and tell people that. <laughs> but let's get uh, into the David McKinnon part of this. Uh, the Angels won, sure, whatever. But about a week ago, the A's claimed a first baseman off of waiver from the Angels after the, I, I said Anaheim, after Anaheim DFA'd him. Uh, and he's very intriguing. So the A's may win the war. They're losing the battles right now. They've, they've lost the first battle. They lost the second battle. Maybe they're going to win this war of who can produce a better David McKinnon. And that's what I'm here for. Uh, that 
He's a 27-year-old right-handed stick, and he, has, he doesn't have a ton of power. He has decent power, but not like a ton of power. He's not hitting like 30 bombs or anything like that and striking out a bunch. No, he's actually uh, a very, a pretty decent uh, contact hitter, and he doesn't strike out a huge amount, and he walks almost as much as he strikes out, and he hits for a high average. It's weird. Um, you don't see a lot of first basemen doing that, and so the A's are like, hey, let's take a, let's take a chance. Take a flyer on this guy, see what happens, I guess. Um, he, he's got an interesting profile, to say the least. Uh, when the Angels cut ties with him, he'd been hitting 324 with a 429 on base percentage across 63 games. He also had 14 home runs in that span. So not a huge amount of power, but he's, he's doing it. I mean, that's like 30 home runs over uh, the course of like 126 games. It's not bad. It's 28 home runs, but, you know, whatever, math. Um, and what gets me is that he has 42 walks and 51 strikeouts in those 63 games. That's that's nice. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take a guy who has your walks and your strikeouts that close together with 63. That That's a decent sample size. That's a third of a season, maybe a little bit more, uh, like 40% of a season. But, uh, yeah, that that's a... That's a nice profile to have right there. A guy that can walk almost as much as he strikes out while playing a corner infield position. It's eye-catching. I think it's it's not the norm, I would say. And maybe that's why the Angels cut him. Because they like guys that are the norm and also Shohei Otani. And then end of list of guys that they will accept. Uh, the Angels gave him a cup of coffee in the big leagues starting in mid-June. And by mid-July, he was back in AAA. Uh, in his stint with the Halos, McKinnon hit just 189 with a 279 on base, and he walked five times to 12 strikeouts. Uh, obviously, the stat line isn't as fantastic as it was in AAA, but this was also his first stint in the big leagues, and in that month that he was up, he started 10 games. 10 games. And uh, he had six of those at first base and four of those at third base. Uh, he, he finished just four of the games that he started as well. So he started 10 games in a month, and then he finished four of them. Uh, that's not consistent playing time for a guy who, you know, may have some actual potential. Sure, they got Jared Walsh, they got some guys, but uh, their season's been dwindling fast, and they're legitimately going to be considering trading Shohei Otani, so it's not going to get, like, better next season. Give him a shot. Why'd they cut this guy? I don't understand. Maybe I got to talk to the Angels guys and find out what happened here, but uh, it seems weird. Um, and you have to think that to get going with the bet, yeah, you got to be playing roughly more than every third day in the course of a month. Uh, maybe not switch positions all the time. And then maybe even play a full game here and there. He played four games in a month, four, four full games in a month. That's not necessarily a recipe for success. So, uh, you know, is, is he going to be something? Maybe. Could he be nothing? Obvious. Yes. He could also be, you know, he's 27 years old. He's a right-handed batter with uh, not a ton of power. Could he be nothing? Sure. But is he an interesting profile? Yeah. Am I happy he's with the A's? And, you know, he's, he, he's going to be getting a look in AAA and maybe in Oakland? Sure. Yeah. Let's see what he's got. Stick him at first base. Give him three full weeks. See how that goes. I don't know, because um, he's got he's got s some intrigue. I would say he's also got three options remaining. So 
the A's don't have to be too hasty in making a decision with him like the Angels seem to. I mean, sure, he was a, a 30, like, second-round pick way back when there was over 20 rounds. But, uh, you know, the timeline is basically whenever Tyler Soderstrom, like, pushes him out, that's the timeline for figuring out David McKinnon. Uh, is that going to be pushing him out of Vegas and then he gets promoted uh, to Oakland? McKinnon gets promoted to Oakland? Or is that going to be, uh, well, you're not ready for Oakland and Tyler Soderstrom's ready for Vegas, so I guess we have to cut you now. Maybe that's what it is. But um, I guess this is all to say that uh, David McKinnon had a three-run homer for Vegas on Tuesday night, so I guess all's well that ends well there. Uh, anyways, coming up on the show, we are talking about the 2023 A's nominees for the A's Hall of Fame. We're going guy by guy, so stick around. We'll be right back. If you have not tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? Because it's delicious. It's indulgent. It's cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. It's cookie dough chunk puffs, and they have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them, so run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It's the perfect treat. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty chocolate covered cookie dough with a light fluffy texture how can you go wrong go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 and you will get 15 percent off of your order use promo code locked 15 at built.com Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to hear podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On Ace on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. But let's get into the guys that could be the next Hall of Fame inductees for the Oakland A's. And I, I'm just going to go straight down the list that they emailed us to vote on. And uh, we're starting with Jose Canseco. He had a 27.3 war in nine seasons with Oakland. He was the 1986 Rookie of the Year, the 1988 MVP, Jose Canseco. He's one of the top guys in war in green and gold on this list. So he's got to be in consideration. He's also definitely available. So, uh, yeah, Jose Canseco, maybe. Uh, Coco Crisp. His war was lower than I thought it would be, actually. It, he had 13.6 war in seven seasons, but uh, he was also the engine for some of the funnest baseball teams that I think any of us have ever seen, and uh, that was the 2012 to 2014 Oakland days. Uh, he was, I mean, if he was not on the field, you're like, eh, all right, well, let's see what, what happens, I guess. But when he came back, you're like, this is the team to beat right here. He was a big part of that, and his war total doesn't necessarily tell the whole story, but he was just fantastic with the Oakland A's. Uh, another guy that was fantastic with the Oakland A's was Mark Ellis, who may be like third on this list in war. I will be honest, that's higher than I thought it would be. But Mark Ellis, as I told him in person at some car dealership in like Walnut Creek back in like 2000 and I don't know, five, uh, he, he's my favorite player. I, I mean, at the time, I really enjoyed him, and I had no idea what to say to Mark Ellis because he's he's Mark freaking Ellis, you guys. Uh, he had a 26.8 war in nine seasons. Um, fun story. 
uh, Oakland traded Ben Grieve to get him, uh, Mark Ellis, as well as, you know, like a season of Johnny Damon and also Corey Lytle. That worked out fairly well. I mean, the A's traded a couple other guys too, but uh, it was mostly Ben Grieve. <laughs> Not quite reigning rookie of the year, but he was coming off of another, uh, of a highly sought after rookie campaign. And uh, the A's traded him because he kept hitting in the double plays. And, hey, it worked out fine. And the A's got Mark Ellis, and he was fantastic. Uh, next on the list, we got Dick Green, who had a 16.1 war in 12 seasons. He spent his entire career with the Oakland A's. How many guys can you say that about? He also finished up his career in the 72-74 to 74 world championship runs and uh so that's pretty cool you know dick green right there 16.1 war 12 seasons all with the oakland days i think that's worth something personally then you got hendu dave henderson he had a 19.6 war in six seasons and always performed in the world series he was a beast in the world series go check his baseball reference page you guys it's it's impressive. Uh, coming up next, you got Ramon Laureano. He had 8.7 war in five seasons. Not a lot of war to go around, especially like for a catcher who's playing most every day, but whatever. Um, he did definitely have one of the most memorable plays in you know the last 20 years, and that was the walk-off bunt. My dad made me leave that game early. <laughs> like just early, but um, yeah, I didn't get I, I was at that game, didn't get to see it. We left early to beat traffic. But uh, the walk-off bunt, he was also traded to San Diego for current A's manager, Mark Kotze. I believe there was another player in that deal. But, uh, yeah, that's how Mark Kotze became an Oakland A and, you know, led to the A's making it to the ALCS in uh, 2006 and also gave them a manager now because I don't think that if uh, Ramon Hernandez was not traded that the A's would not have gotten uh, Mark Kotze, and then, hey, who's manager now? No idea. Uh, coming in next, yeah, Ken Holtzman. He had 11 war in four seasons. Not a bad output. Uh, and was a huge part of the A's rotation for the 70s three-peat, along with Catfish Hunter and Blue Moon Odom. Blue Moon Odom is also on this list a little bit later, but and Catfish is already retired, obviously. Um, yeah, he was one of those. He was like the, the 70s big three. He was a big part of those three teams. And uh, you, you got to give him credit where it's... He was only here for four years. Give him some credit. He was fantastic. Uh, then you got Rick Honeycutt. I don't really have a lot on Rick Honeycutt. I got 4.6 war in eight seasons. Cool. He went on to be the pitching coach at the Dodgers. Sorry, Rick. I'm, like, old but too young, I think. <laughs> so coming in next. And I believe... Uh, Tim Hudson here has the most war. I could scroll down. No, he doesn't. No, there's another guy. Um, okay. Anyways, uh, Tim Hudson has the second most war, let's say, uh, with 31 wins above replacement in six seasons with the A's. He also gave up a bunch of runs to the Royals that set them up for the famous Scott Hatterberg home run. So that could work either for or against him. I'm not sure. He was really good, but, uh, he, he did make us really sweat on that 20th consecutive victory. So, Either that's good or bad. I don't know. He was also uh, the pitcher in one of my favorite games uh, of the playoffs, and that was the walk-off bunt game, obviously. But uh, I think that my lasting Tim Hudson memory was it was A's and Giants at AT&T, or Pac-Bell, whatever it was called then. Oracle is what it's called now. And uh, w w my dad had gotten some tickets, like 
like close to the field behind home plate. And I could see him in the batter's box. And he, he had the donut on because pitchers were very not used to hitting. And uh, he had the donut on the bat. And he could not get the donut off the bat. And the entire dugout's just laughing at him. And it was really funny. Um, later in that game, Mike Venifro came in and from behind home plate. And he came in to face Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds hit the snot out of this ball. And it went like off the top of the wall in Triples Alley. And I looked, I just saw it leave the bat and I looked down, I'm like, the A's just lost this game. And then uh, I looked up, I'm like, oh, good, he's only on third, that's nice. Um, and then the A's won the game, so that was a good time. But anyways, moving on, Carney Lansford. Uh, he had 27.3 war in 10 seasons. He'd never topped 20 home runs, but boy, could that guy get on base. He hit 438 with a 526 on base in the 89 World Series. He was a big part of the A's success in that 88-89-90 stretch. A little bit in 92, but the A's didn't make it to the World Series that season. Uh, yeah, Carney Lansford was arguably my dad's favorite player, so kudos to Carney Lansford for being cool, I guess. Um, coming in next, you got Mike Moore with 9.3 wins above replacement in four seasons. He started two games in the 89 World Series. Him and Dave Stewart started each game, <laughs> two of the four. Um, and he gave up just three runs total in 13 innings. So Mike Moore is a big reason why the A's own the Bay Bridge Series overall. I mean, sure, the Giants got the trophy this weekend, whatever, but uh, how many times have the Giants beat the A's in the World Series since they moved out here? None. None times. Thanks, Mike Moore. Uh, coming in next, you got Mark Mulder. He has 19.7 wins by replacement in five seasons. And uh, I guess his, I'm sure he was really good. He was part of the big three. He he had a good career with the A's, but he also netted the A's. Dan Heron, who was later flipped and you know helped the A's be good in 2020 or sorry 2012, and uh, he also netted them Derek Barton and all those gray hairs that he cost us. Uh, sorry, Derek Barton. My, I like Derek Barton. I I'm past it. He's he was fine. I liked him. I wish that he could have been better. Too many uh, expectations, I think, were heaped upon him. But moving on, this is the guy with the most war, and that's Dwayne Murphy. He had 31.7 wins above replacement in 10 seasons, six-time goal glover with the Oakland A's, and he left via free agency right before the A's World Series runs in 88-90. to 90. It's a bad time to leave, Dwayne. I think he went to the Tigers and had success there. No, 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 that was somebody else later. Never mind. Never mind. Dwayne Murphy. Uh... Good player, gotta say. Uh, Mike Norris, he had 8.1 wins above replacement in 10 seasons. He finished second in the Cy Young voting in 1980 after he won 22 games with a 2.53 ERA. That is the career highlight, I would say, with the Oakland days. Then you got Blue Moon Odom. He had 3.4 wins above replacement in 12 seasons. Not a lot of wins above replacement, but if you, if you look at for a reason why he's on this list. Obviously, he goes down in A's lore, partially because of the nickname. Blue Moon, great nickname. But uh, his playoff ERA from 72 to 74 was 1.13. I know that it was a different run environment. Runs weren't as a plenty back then, but he had a 1.13 ERA in 39 and two-thirds innings, spanning three different playoff runs. That That's going to help, I'm going to say. So... Kudos to Blue Moon Odom for that one. And somebody reached out. I think it was a old 
A's fan. And he's like, ah, oh, Blue Moon Odom, because uh, I like the nickname, and I always like the nickname, and this and this. And uh, I was like, yeah, he, he was dominant in the playoffs. And so and I said that I had written something about him, and that's what I wrote about him. So old man A's fan, you're welcome. And uh, I need to watch more Blue Moon Odom highlights on YouTube uh, so that I can talk more about him. But moving on, Tony Phillips, he's the guy that played for the Tigers. Uh, he had 15.6 war above or uh, wins above replacement in nine seasons. He could get on base even with just the whole right batting averages, honestly. Uh, and he knew how to drew walk, draw walks. He could get on base, and that was what made him impactful for the A's. So Tony Phillips, not not too bad there. Then you got Terry Seinbach, another one of my favorite players from the early days of my fandom. Uh, he had 24.8 wins above replacement in 11 seasons. He drove in seven runs in four games in 1989. That's the World Series here. In the World Series. There you go. In the World Series. So good job for him. Uh, Gene Tennis. He had 23.6 wins above replacement in eight seasons. For a catcher, he could hit. Like, I, I, I didn't look at the leaderboards all time for you know, roughly that time of baseball history to see where he ranked. But holy crap, he had to be the best. Um, he also walked nearly as much as he struck out. And uh, fun fact, he was traded with Raleigh Fingers from the Padres to the Cardinals for a package of players that involved future A's manager Bob Guerin and also Nick Swisher's dad. So there's a fun fact about Gene Tennis for you. Maybe he can get uh, Steve Swisher to attend because they were traded for each other. Uh, coming up, we got two more for you guys. We got Miguel Tejada, who had a 22.1 wins above replacement in seven seasons. He was the AL MVP in 2002. The the back-to-back walk-off hits during the streak. That, that has to be the main memory for Miguel. Uh, there's also one of him in the playoffs in, in Boston where he rounded third and then got tagged. There's some other memories too, but... That has to be the, the main standout is his two walk-off hits. They really solidified him as the MVP in 2002. And then finally, we have uh, the late Bob Welch. He is he had uh, 10.8 wins above replacement in seven seasons, and he won the Cy Young in 1990. I think that he would be a feel-good addition to the uh, to the field here. And so uh, those are your, your A's nominees. If you want to write one in, write in Matt Stairs. Matt Stairs is a Canadian god. And, uh, yeah, put Matt Stairs on your balance, too. But uh, coming up, I'm talking about some A's minor leaguers. So stay locked in with Locked On A's. We'll be right back. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show and you've made it this far, please leave us a five-star review on your platform of choice. I know Apple Podcast does it. Uh, I know that Spotify does it. You can do it on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a thumbs up. That's all. Comment. Screw it. Why not? 
find an old video because there's nothing new over there. But uh, also, thank you guys so much for making Locked On A's your first listen of the day. Again, Locked On is your team every day, so you get your A's coverage here every single day. Well, Monday through Friday, unless my baby's teething. <laughs> uh, also, make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am by Jason B on Twitter. But let's talk about the second start for the Green, oh, I guess the A's affiliate. Uh, for Luis Medina, who was acquired in the Frankie Montas deal, he was the, the hard-throwing guy who had hit 103 on the radar gun, but he issued some walks. So how did his second start go? Uh, well, it went a lot better than his first start, because in that first start, he went two innings, gave up seven earned runs on seven hits. He walked four, and he struck out one. So you could pretty much only go up, unless he didn't record any outs. But he recorded so many outs, he went five innings, gave up just three hits. He still walked four, so the walk's still an issue, but he was... Not as hittable, which was nice. Uh, and he also struck out four. So the strikeouts were up there as well. And he only gave up two earned runs. And he earned the win because pitcher wins. Big deal on this podcast. They're not. That's a joke. Um, he also hit a batter. So that's some. So I looked deeper into that. And he's hit a batter. Or he's hit two batters. Sorry. He's hit two batters uh, in each of the last three months. So that means that he's still got one more hit batsman coming up this month to fit hit, to fill his quota. So if you're an opponent, watch out for Luis Medina. He's going to hit you. And then maybe that'll lead to more strikeouts. I hope that, that nobody's been getting hurt. So uh, I, I know of nobody getting hurt. So if somebody did get hurt, that was a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, well, let's hope that hasn't been the case. But uh, well, at the dish... For the Midland Rockhounds, you got Zach Galloff, and he had himself a little bit of a game on Tuesday because he went three for four with a home run and four RBI. It is his seventh home run in 54 games this season, and on the season, he's betting 296 with a 364 on base. He's still just 22 and is really starting to put everything together. I mean, he's hitting 296 for the entirety of the season. So he's been doing it all season. But, you know, he's st- he, he's just starting to, to put it all together. <laughs> uh, the A's would probably like to see his strikeout rate of 27.2 go down a little bit, but there isn't really much to complain about for the, the 2021 second rounder from my point of view. Uh, and then finally, for this little quickened minor league recap, uh, we got Shea Langoliers, who has just been doing it all all freaking season. Uh, he went two for three with a walk, a double, and two RBI last night. And uh, on Monday, A's GM David Force said that he, quote, hope, oh, not necessarily direct quote, I'm paraphrasing here, but paraphrased quote, uh, he hopes to see Langoliers in Oakland this season, and paraphrased quote. And uh, since Forrest is the GM and he has the power to make these decisions and like actually call him up, I think that what's really going on here, and I'm being super serious here, is that uh, this is a cry for help because he doesn't have access to his laptop or his cell phone or any other way to communicate with the aviators to get Langoliers to Oakland. So this is obviously, hey guys, I'm in some trouble here. You need to help. And so we need to play sleuths. Give me your ideas. Tweet them at us at Locked on A's. But here are my, my couple 
that I've got so far. One, it's simple. He forgot his passwords. He doesn't remember his password to his phone or to his laptop. So he's just locked out. He has access to them. He's just locked out. He needs to go to the Apple bar or the Genius bar and, you know, get back into his computer. Maybe it's that simple. Or maybe he was playing too much Candy Crush or, you know, a, a more modern reference for a game that everybody's playing. And uh, he was doing that too much on company time. And John Fisher had to take his phone and his laptop away so that he could be more productive during work hours. Maybe that's what it was. Either way, uh, it seems like the A's are at least aware of Shay Langoliers, and that's a positive. Uh, and once they get David Forrest's phone back, he's going to be in the big leagues, you guys. So send me your ideas for why David Forrest cannot communicate with the, the Las Vegas Aviators. I'm very excited to hear what you guys have to say about that one. But uh, that's all that I got for you guys today. And again, thank you guys so much for making the Locked On A's your first listen today. Now go make your second listen to the Locked On MLB podcast because baseball expert Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, uh, brings humor and passion and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around baseball. I don't know what voice I'm doing right now, but I'm really enjoying it. Or I'm sleepy. One of the two. Uh, follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked on MLB. They're available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. They're available wherever you're listening to this, wherever you like to hear podcasts. That's where you can find Sully and his band of merry men. <laughs> I need to go to bed. All right. Uh, that's all that I got for you guys today. Uh, follow us on social media at Locked on A's on Twitter and Instagram. I live by Jason B on Twitter. Um, that's all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, A's fans, and I will talk at you tomorrow.